Welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is the place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hi, welcome again to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is episode 44, and uh, this is the podcast, the Photography Lifestyle Podcast, for those of us who are looking for ways to, to get better and be better with our photography. We call it everything you need to be, do, and have to reach your true potential. My name is Linford Morton. You can call me Lynn, and I am so glad you're here with me for another podcast episode. Today, I want to talk about travel photography, and uh, I, I want to do that because coming back from Photo Plus Expo, it became very apparent that a lot of the photographers who presented and who had something really significant to show did so from what was apparently travel photography-like experiences. So it's something worth talking about and looking at today. And then at the end of the day, of course, I in, in, my, in my news and updates, I have launched the, the New Orleans photo tour, photo tour New Orleans, and I'll talk about that near the end of the podcast. All right, so let's talk about travel photography. And I've titled this one, The Five P's of Travel Photography, because it's a good way of thinking about the entire travel photography process from start to finish. Because often when we look at travel photography guidance, they they only tell us what to do and we are at the place where we see something interesting and we're ready to push the shutter. But You know, I like to think that a a successful travel photography experience starts way before that point. And so we'll talk about it in a more holistic way today on the five P's of travel photography. Now, the five P's are planning, producing, people, post-production, and presentation. We'll talk about all five of them today. And it's funny because when I was at Photo Plus Expo in New York last month, I remember sitting and watching a presentation by Scott Kelby, and he had this this really good image, this really cool image. And he said, "You know the key to getting great images." And he was sort of, you know, you know, being flippant and being Scott and having fun. He said, "The key to having great images is to show up where things look interesting." He said, "Go somewhere." interesting so he, and he pulls up this image of this really just breathtaking sunset and he goes you know what i did to get this shot i showed up where this was and i pushed the button that's all i did and everyone started laughing and and i and i thought you know there's some truth to some of that because a lot of what i saw in terms of great you know presentations from these professional photographers half of it was they went somewhere interesting 
You know, if you want something interesting, you have to go somewhere interesting. Now, I'm not saying that you always have to go somewhere to get great photographs, because lots of times you can do it right where you are. And, and, and many of these things we talk about today will also work for what we, what we call staycations, when you stay at home and pretend you are a travel photographer. As a matter of fact, they'll all work at home, and it's probably a good way of, you know, getting yourself in a travel photography mode is to, you know, document your own hometown the way you would if you went somewhere else. So think about that, but know that you don't have to go somewhere exotic to do the things we're going to talk about today. That, But if you are, if you are traveling, then the five P's will help you get not just a great travel photo photography, but great travel photography experience. So number one, let's go through the, the five. And uh, number one is planning. And I, I th- you know, we all hear about this, but I, I, I want to sort of enumerate some some steps within the whole planning umbrella. And, and number one is the thing we've been talking about so far, choosing somewhere interesting. Now, you've got the whole globe at your disposal when you think about travel photography. And I think the fun is, no matter what you're into or what kind of photography appeals to you, there's somewhere you can go where you can really sort of take that that sense of, you know, whatever it is that appeals to you and, and put that sense of adventure on steroids and really have fun. If you are, if you like street photography or city or urban dwellings, there are just so many big cities around the globe you can go to. And if you'd like to be out in the wilderness, then there's no shortage of that either. So, you know, number one is going to be to, in planning is to is to spin the globe, literally, and, and pick somewhere interesting, even if it's, as again, within your own um neighborhood. So pick somewhere interesting. And then when you when you have decided where you want to go, the next thing you want to do is research to see what other photographers have created. Now, this is so easy to do these days with especially with the travel photography. Well, with the photography social media platforms. So, you know, once upon a time, you had to check Flickr before you went anywhere to see what someone else did. But almost all of them have a search capability feature now that will let you put in the location you're going and see what other people have done there. And so, so whether you're on Flickr or, or Instagram or 500px, no matter you know where your photography home is, you can see what other people have done in that location and begin to think about what kinds of things you want to create while you're there. And I think of it in a couple ways. Like, what are the must-have shots of this location? Like, if I look and I see, you know, the what most people capture there, I can say to myself, boy, this trip would be a failure if I didn't come back with one of those images. And then the flip side of that is I also look and I say to myself sometimes, boy, that one is so overdone. And and this this way of shooting this photograph is so cliche. You know, the last thing I'm going to do when I'm there is shoot that image. I'm not going to take a photograph of someone holding up the Tower of Pisa Pisa, and uh, and, uh, you know, from falling over because that's just when you get there, you see, that's just so cliche. And so, you know, what what shots are must haves? What shots are must avoids? I sort of think through that as I look at what other people have done. 
The next thing you want to do, of course, is check the light. You know, we live and die by light as photographers. And, you know, there's nothing worse than showing up at the iconic location on the other side of the globe to find out that the sun is behind it and now giving you silhouetted shots. And if you'd only come earlier, you could have gotten just great light falling on your subject. So one of the things you want to do is just see where the light's going to be as you plan your route for your travel as as you're shooting. My favorite, um, tool to do that is the photographer's ephemeris, which is a a tool that lets you see where the sun will be at any point in the globe, at any time of the day, at any day in the future you choose. And so sometimes it's worth it just to say, you know what? I absolutely want to get this picture of, of, um, you know, whatever it is. And where will the sun be when I do that? And so, so a photographer's ephemeris is one tool that would allow you to do that. Plot the sun and see where the sun will be. All right. So the next thing you want to do is check the local laws. Now, this is going to be more important for international travel. I had a friend who, this is a while back, almost got arrested and detained in 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 another country because while he was walking around with his camera he took a picture of a building that should not have been photographed and the police stopped him and said why are you taking a photograph of this building they seized his camera they they looked to see what he was photographing and they detained him for a while and then eventually they let him go but it was an experience he probably could have avoided if he'd known where he was and what he was shooting so you want to check local laws I also had another client who talked about an experience he had doing street photography in another country. And when other people saw him doing it and didn't know what was going on, they reported him to the police and the police stopped him and detained him because street photography um, photographers don't enjoy the same freedom that we do in the United States to photograph anything we'd like to as long as we were on public property. So you want to know what the local laws are for the country that you're going to and make sure that you are, of course, staying within the boundaries of the law. And that will make your experience so much better. The other thing you want to do is now that you have all this, you want to start creating your some shot lists. And shot lists, of course, we t- I sort of mentioned this before, a list of all of the images. When you think about where you're going and what you want to do, what are all the images that you want to come back with? What are the, all the locations you absolutely want to see and photograph while you're there? So make a list of this because sometimes when you get on the ground in your location, you get so excited and so caught up in all the excitement of what's going on around you that you might forget some of the things you'd plan to shoot. And then by the time you remember, you've run out of time. So you don't want that to happen. It's so easy just to put this on in, you know, I put, I get a lists app of some kind, a reminder or lists app and, and, and include them there so I can check them off as I go along. And I know that the, that, 
that list will always be with me on my phone. So I, I, I always know when I'm shooting and where I am in terms of the progress I hoped to have on that trip. And then I can also take things off or put, add them if I hear something cool and, or I get, you know, oh no, you don't want to go there. That's no longer there anymore. Ooh, cool. You know, check it off the list and keep moving. So having it nearby makes it easy for me to keep it updated and to, and to track my progress. And then that allows you to also pace yourself while you're shooting. All right. So the next thing you would think about in, in under the planning umbrella would be packing and and packing generally falls into one of two camps. The the pack lights and go with just enough or the take everything approach. Now, I usually pack light for usually some closer trips, and I just want to get there and get back. And usually those are domestic trips, places I know I might go again. But I just want to go there and get back, and I don't want to have to carry a lot of stuff. It's so tough traveling these days because airlines are just so restrictive now. They want you to only carry on the one bag and anything other than that, they need you to check it. And I don't know about you, but I am not checking anything on my, I'm not checking anything in terms of my camera gear. I did that once a very long time ago and my camera did not make it to my location. And since then I've never checked anything and uh, I would highly encourage you not to do that either. So I know that I have one carry on. So it's, if I'm packing light, it's all got to fit in that one carry on and then um, everything else goes under. I remember once, once when I was um, working as a, a PR guy, we would trap. I traveled around the country with a video team because we were doing some, you know, some corporate videos, and we were going to lots of different locations to shoot. And we hired this photographer who was a uh, he normally shot for NBC. So this was a guy who was used to traveling with a whole lot of gear, and he had this thing he did. You know, when we showed up to the airport, he went to the guy at the curbside handed him a fresh $100 bill and said, take care of my gear for me. And you, you got a yes, sir, <laughs> really out of them. And his gear always arrived and always arrived in good shape. And he said, this is all I do. I hand him a $100 bill everywhere I go. And my, I know my gear will be taken care of because that person always takes it under their, their wing. Now, if you don't have the, you know, the, the luxury of handing out $100 bills, then then don't then, then take it on take it on board with you. So that's um, um, packing light. But then sometimes you want to you want to you have to pack a lot, right? So when I think about I might be going to a bucket list location. For instance, if if you know. Good Lord, will and I get to go to some sort of a, a, a you know, not not Kenya, but to another country where I can do uh, a a. Uh, I'm blanking out now; my brain's just gone dead. But you know, a safari—that's the word I'm looking for—a safari. And I know this is a once in a lifetime shoot. I'm going to want to take a few things with me. You know, I'm going to want to. I'm, I'm going to want to take just a number of lenses. I'm going to want to be prepared for just about every situation. And so, and it doesn't even have to be anything quite that exotic. Sometimes you're going to locations where you want to be prepared for everything. And one thing you might consider is just shipping your gear there, because if, if you can ship it by FedEx or UPS or one of those carriers, you don't have 
the headache of, of traipsing it with you everywhere you go. And then you can just have it show up at your, your hotel, wherever you are. And I know with, even with FedEx, if you're going locally, they'll just ship it to the closest FedEx location to where you're going to be and hold it there for you to come and pick up with your signature. And the cool thing about that is, you know, that when they ship things, you can make sure it's always insured. So you have the added, um, you know, the added, you know, convenience of knowing it's getting there without any hassle and it's getting there. And you know that if something happens, it will be covered. So you might consider shipping gear or if you can't packing light, which for me means one camera body, you know, a, a, a fast prime, maybe a, a midsize zoom and then a tabletop tripod that I can use or a gorilla pod is what I use often if I just need uh, some stability in late evening or nights. And then if I'm tra- traveling heavy, then, of course, I'm taking two bodies because if something goes wrong with one of them, you want some backup and then a good array of lenses for every situation, a real tripod, and maybe even a flash or and, and some other gear. So you have all these options now, and you want to consider you know which one works for you. Um, and, and then finally, in in your planning, uh, in in episode thirty four, we ta- I talked with travel photographer Mike Randolph from Spain, and he talked about the importance of practicing before you you take off on any kind of travel photography. And I want to reinforce that because I thought that was such a good idea. When you get somewhere new or different or interesting, the last thing you want to do and magic happens in front of you is be fiddling with your camera to figure out where you where you find a specific setting or even how you create an effect of some kind you don't want to be messing around with your camera then you want to be able to just spring into action and create and capture and you can't do that if this is the first time you're shooting with a brand new camera or the kind of photography that's required to be successful there is something that you're not that good at so Especially if you have new gear, you want to practice with it before you leave for your trip and and try not to take a brand new camera on a trip if you are not going to have time to get comfortable and familiar with it or try in any new techniques you've never tried before um, when you show up and you have just a few minutes before the light goes goes away. Right. So practice, practice, practice. So that's number one. That's planning. The second P is for producing. And I'm going to admit now that producing is really means shooting, but I had, I needed another P word. So there you have it, folks. Don't judge me. So anyway, in producing, when you get there, what you're going to start doing, of course, is you have your shot list. And so the easiest thing to do is start, you know, working your shot list, plotting where you need to be and what's the fastest way to get to these locations. Sometimes you might even talk with your concierge if you're at a hotel and sort of let them help you plot the best ways to get from place to place um, based on the things you want to see and photograph. So easy, easy piece in this one work your shot list and then when you get to these interesting locations number two is turn around you know it's you get to somewhere interesting and you are looking at what everyone else looks at sometimes the more interesting pictures are when you turn around and turn your back to whatever that is and see what's behind you or see what's behind it 
So you can sometimes, and this is where I, I find you get the interesting, we talk about action and reaction shots, because you get interesting action shots uh, when something is happening, and then you turn around and you get everyone else reacting to it. And sometimes that's where you get the better storytelling or high emotion shots. So turn around whenever you get to a location and see what else is going on around you. Um, you know, I, I use the, the acronym ESAD um, in, for my approach to covering any location. If I show up at some location, here's an approach I use to make sure that I get good coverage. Because the last thing you want to do is get home and see that you have all of the same kind of shot. Because if they're all wide or all you know close up, they can get monotonous as you start going through them. And so you want to vary up your 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 coverage so that you get uh, more interesting looking shots. And ESAD stands for one. The E stands for your establishing shot. And this is the postcard shot. This is the wide shot that shows where you are. I used to joke to my classes that it's the Brady House shot, meaning the first shot of every sitcom. It, like the Brady Bunch was always the house they were in. It shows your, you know, Golden Girls or you, you, your Fresh Prince. You pick a sitcom. And sometimes they always begin with the outside of the house that shows where you are. And so you can consider it the postcard of your of the location where you are because you'll need that context when you get back. And then after that, you start telling some stories for of of where you are, meaning. What do you see? What do you feel? What do you smell? What do you hear? How do you take all of that, what you're experiencing, and capture it in a way that we will also be transported there with you? So tell some stories. A is for angles. And, and, and what I mean here is now it's time to be creative and, and, and look for something that will, you know, stretch you a little bit. And the easiest way to do that is to look for extreme angles on on subjects, meaning extreme left, extreme right, extreme low, extreme high. But extreme angles are always the first and easy way to jumpstart your creativity. So you come back with some really creative approaches as well. And then number four, the D is for details. You want to find little details that are interesting to you and fill the frame with them, meaning you're going to get very close to whatever it is, whether it is texture or color or some feature and fill the frame with it. And, and that one thing will, will also set your images apart because usually you see, when you start looking at details, you see something very different from everyone else. Everyone will have a version of the wide shot and everyone will, could have the same stories depending on what's actually happening there. Everyone might be drawn to the same thing, but the detailed shots allow you to set yourself apart because you will fill your frame with something very different. So don't forget the details. The devil is in the details as well as the great photography. If that feels too prescriptive to you, then the six shooter approach works, meaning whenever you get somewhere, make sure you shoot six different kinds of photographs of that location before you take off. And that might be an easy way to get some version of this ESAD method, because you'll end up, if you're looking for six different versions, come up with something very similar to that. But the point is, what you don't want to do is stop, you know, marvel at where you are, 
take one shot and keep moving. Because when you get home, you go, oh, my goodness, I wish I'd taken more of this. You always wish you've taken more of, of great shots. And, you, and, and so, you know, one way to make sure that you don't find yourself in that place is to just, you know, pick six. And... And and pick six is, and then you change the lens. You do another six. You know, you can you can repeat as much as you want to. And six is a random number, of course, because it forces you to do something different. But you can do more than six if you want to. Um, there's no magic in six, but you don't want to do any fewer than six because that makes it too easy for you to just get the obvious shots. You want to get yourself to a point where you're moving beyond the obvious shots and forcing yourself to look for something interesting and creative. All right. So then the next thing to think about while you're shooting is in your producing mode is what we call situ- what I call situational awareness and safety. Now, situational awareness is, uh, you know, a term we used in the army, meaning you want to know what's what's around you. What is to the left of you, right of you, behind you, where your threats are, you know, where, where you're heading. Situational awareness is about knowing you know, everything you need to know about, you know, what your surroundings and, you know, for a civilian term might just be safety first is the way to think about it. Now, a couple of ways, a number of ways to think about this. One, don't, don't advertise expensive gear. You know, there are people out there who are preying on you as a, a tourist or someone who looks like they don't belong there. And if you are, and I keep saying this, if you're wearing a strap that announces that you are walking around with a Canon 1DX or a Nikon D4S or some other god-awful expensive camera, and these days the the bad guys only have to, they read that, they just, you know, with their phones, they can Google really quickly and go, oh, that's $6,000 right there. And they know who to target. And it's just, um, you know, it's better just to not advertise anything you don't need to advertise. If you can help it, don't walk around with two camera bodies hanging off of you in a place where you don't know where you are. So think safety. Safety is not just advertising expensive gear, but it's knowing your surroundings. You know, sometimes it's cool to go wandering. I like to go wandering places I might not have been before. But you also want to keep, you know, keep your eye out to look at the street signs as you're going by to to remember, take note of of things uh, that you might need um, to remember on your way back if you're coming back. And and the other thing is is usually it's always a good idea just keep your Google Maps handy so you can see where you are in relationship to where you started your hotel or the landmark where you started so you know how to get back if you need to in a hurry. Um, the other thing you might want to do is if you're staying at a hotel is just check in with the concierge and ask if they're I'm going wandering in this area is there something I ought to be avoiding because they will know that whoa you don't want to go beyond this line because beyond this line everything changes you know every major city has that point where if you stray too far to the left or right it gets really different really quickly and you want to know where that those points are so you can stay away from them um 
traveling internationally, know their way back to the embassy. This is another, you know, throwback from my military days. They always want, you know, or when I worked for the Department of Defense, know where your embassy is because that's your home away from home in another country. Should things all of a sudden get really sticky, you want to, you know, you know, that's a place you want to be able to, to go to. They used to go as far as, as to say when you get to a new country, you call the embassy and let them know that you are in country and that for, if you're an American, for instance, you are an American in this country. So if something happens, if especially this is probably for the smaller countries where they need to start evacuating people, they know who's there and they know how to contact your family if you need to just, you know, again, safety. And, and, and the other thing is before you go, you know, the CIA publishes an alerts and warnings list of countries where it ain't safe for you to go. And it's so, it's so, you know, puzzling to me sometimes because whenever something bad happens in a country and you see people get trapped there, more often than not, that country is on that list. You know, there's a list that says, if you go here, bad things can happen. And, God bless them. People go there and bad things happen. And it's easy to just check the list and go, you know what? Maybe I won't go to the mountains of Afghanistan for this next photo vacation if I don't have to. So think about that kind of stuff. Check the alerts and warnings list. I'll have a link to this also in the show notes and so that you can see this list I'm talking about. So that's it for um, your producing or your shooting. Number three is people and people relations. And and this one is really simple. Don't forget to photograph people. I, I know from a lot of photographers that many of us are just uncomfortable photographing people and photographing strangers. But in a travel mode, sometimes people give you sort of the the life of the of the area you know if i see people i can tell so much about a location you know i i can tell the climate you know are they wearing big coats are they wearing light clothes i can tell the conditions are they affluent are they you know living in in a in an impoverished way i can learn more about the lifestyle i can learn you know what time of what time frame it is you know what's in style i can learn so much just by looking at people and so people will will, will really energize and give life to your photographs so you know try and include a couple people in in even in your your postcard shots when you have the for instance your established shots try and get some people in there so that we can get a feel for for where you are and then the other thing under the people front is, is make friends you know talk to people you know don't make that camera barrier between you and the location you know you know drop it down you know to your side and go over and and, and say hello to someone who's local you know ask them about their their lives ask them about the location ask them about what they they like about it you know be curious and 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 listen and you know you get sometimes as a result of those those interactions 
you get not just, you know, not, I say make friends, but you, you learn a lot about what you're photographing and what's important about what you're photographing. And then sometimes you learn, you get tips on what else to photograph. You know, they might tell you, yeah, everyone photographs the blah, blah, blah there. But the really interesting thing is really around the corner from there, you might want to go see this. And so now you can come up with even better, better shots because a local is going to, direct you to where things are really interesting. Okay. So, you know, try and include people and try and connect with people on your photography. So that's number three, people in people relations. Number four is post-production. Now I'm not talking about the, the, the software you use because everyone has their own software and their own workflow, but I'm, it's really about the discipline. Now, when you get back and you see thousands of photographs, how you get, you know, get that down to something manageable and something worth sharing. And, and I'm going to say this, and, you know, I, I often have this debate with photographers. Nobody wants to see all of the photographs you take. Nobody wants to see a ton of pictures when you come back from your, from your vacation. Now, I know it was really fun for you and really special for you, and you have all these great memories but nobody wants to see all of those photographs, not even your mother, not even your your spouse or your significant other. Nobody. Trust me on this one. You have to do the work of going through now and in every situation, picking the best one. And so what I mean is, you you know, you don't need four different ver- variations of a, of a photograph. You know, here is Cuba from this angle and this angle and this angle. Here's the same, you know old 50s Chevy from from five different angles, you know, pick one, pick the best one and show that one. All right. Because, you know, the other thing is not only do people not have the patience, but but you can't have that many great shots of anyone seen anyway. And so you want to pick the best. And of course, this makes it makes you stand out as a better photographer because people always judge you based on the worst image you you produce not the best and so you want the worst to be your best so um make sure you um you just do the hard work of of culling out the the worst ones and and then group them together thematically when you pre- when you show them you know group them together thematically or in 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 some sort of a story you know we're hardwired to we're hardwired to to love stories and to be gravitate to stories because stories make it easy for stuff to follow along and and to wonder what happens next and so you can use that to help people you know lock onto your travel photos and 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 want to go through them because you're telling a story the easiest way is chronologically what happened first what happened next what happened last but you can find little themes within there you know when I got to to, uh, the French quarters in New Orleans, I noticed there were so many bicycles there. I started to do a theme of the the bicycles of the French quarters, and so I can have a thematic thing going on. It was just something silly. I didn't even do anything with it, but it was just a way to think about shooting. When you're there and you see patterns, you know, see if you can work them into some sort of a theme. 
Okay. And then number five is presentation. Uh, show and share your work. Do not let all those great images wither in the in the darkness on your hard drive. And you want to show the work and you want to find opportunities um, you know, to share them. I, I always love when if we went, took a family vacation, my sister would insist on collecting everyone's best images and then she would produce a she would go have a a book produced a a travel photography sort of coffee table ish book of our vacation so that we saw all our pictures and we saw the whole story from beginning to end it's you know i just always thought that was such a cool thing when i have it i i cherish it and i have one from a cruise we did 10 years ago and and i still look back fondly at it because um it's a way of sharing not just your experience, but also your your work as photographers. And then you can do this easily also online. I love when, when people in our Facebook community come back and they they come back from a from a location and they share a, a small gallery of images from wherever they went, whether it was you know the Grand Canyon or Tahiti or wherever the heck you ended up going. You know they'll share like five to seven images in a in a gallery on on the location they visited, which is always really fun for us to see. And I, I always love that because when photographers come back, we also bring back these great images. And a, a small gallery is an easy way to to share your work, and you can do that right in our Facebook gallery, fb.shutterbuglife.com. Love to see your pictures. And then, of course, you can share them wherever else you hang out in social media and tag them so that the next person who's going there will see when they start their research where they should go and what they should look for. So it all comes full circle. All right, so that, that's it. Those are your five P's of travel photography. You're going to be planning to make sure that you're prepared when you get there. You're going to want your shooting. You're going to be producing your best based on, on what you've learned when you planned. When you're there, you're going to make sure that you connect with people and that you you include people in your shots. You're going to, when you come back to post-production, do the ruthless task of 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 cutting out you know, extraneous or duplicative shots and just showing your best. And then number five, you're going to present them and share them with the world so that we can see what you saw. And we can also enjoy um, some of your travel tips. And if we're thinking about going there, we'll know what to look for as well. All right. So that's it. The five P's of travel photography. Uh, I hope that's helpful for you. Now, if you're planning on going somewhere or if you are using this or you have other photography tips, you can share them with me. Just go to the shutterbuglife.com forward slash podcast and episode 44 is where you can join the comments and share some of your tips with me. All right. Or you can either share them in the Facebook group. And I'd love to hear from you about what you think and what you have learned from this podcast or otherwise about travel photography. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining. Just want to remind you that that next spring, we are doing the ultimate travel photography uh, trip to New Orleans. And New Orleans is one of those American cities where it's unique and it's interesting and 
We go every spring, and I try and give you a wide range of the kinds of things to photograph. So the French Quarters is new, is unique in its own way, and then we have the, you know, the the outside of the French Quarters, we have some historic neighborhoods we go through, everything from the old African neighborhood of Treme to the stately um, um St. Charles Avenue and then you know we'll do some night photography out on the river and then we'll go out on the bayou and shoot where there are uh, you know wild boar and, and alligators and we'll get close to wildlife as well so you, you know in, in three days you get to see a lot and you get to photograph just a wide variety of things now you can find out more about it by going to phototourneworleans.com, phototourneworleans.com. Check it out. And if, if you think it looks interesting, drop me a line. I'd love to talk with you if you're interested in going. And uh, because we are now, you know, um, getting together a small group, we only take no more than eight people just so that we all get a chance to really bond together. And, um, and, and as we get around and shoot, we can have fun. And it's a small, manageable group. So, that's what I'm doing. I'm looking forward and hoping you can join us because it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, it's another great travel photography experience. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, don't forget to do a couple things. You can subscribe and you can do that on my website, shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes by going to itunes.shutterbuglife.com. And you can also subscribe on Stitcher if you listen to podcasts there. Um, you can follow during the week in our Facebook group. Facebook is fb.shutterbuglife.com. Come on in and join the group. Share your photos as you shoot during the week or your or, or with your tips and your insights. It's a cool little community of people who are kindred spirits. If you are in the Washington, D.C. area, of course, my meetup group is Shutterbug Excursions, meetup.com forward slash Shutterbug Excursions, and you can uh, shoot and share with uh, a group of, of kindred spirits there as well. So if you are in Washington, D.C. area, would love to shoot with you. Make sure to let me know that you heard about it from um, the podcast. And then also I'll be doing sometime in the near future some street photography workshops in, in New York City. So um, there will be lots of opportunities to not just get out and shoot and have fun, but also to learn and to and to capture other new locations and lots and have lots of fun. All right. Thank you so much for, again, being with us. I'll be back again next week. And until then, whatever you do, enjoy your Shutterbug life. Take care.